welcome to the Mountain Munch podcast, the show that covers any outdoor topic from fell running to nature writing and from current issues to epic adventures. We aim to cover it all whilst always asking our guest that all-important question. What is your favourite adventure snack? On today's episode, I'm talking to Matt Govan, a mechanical engineer from Edinburgh who likes to push his limits in the Scottish wilderness by walking long distances in a short amount of time. He has made an excellent wee film called Dawn Till Dusk, where he walks from the Scottish borders to Cape Wrath via the Scottish National Trail. We discuss all the hot topics such as safety in the mountains, preparation for such an adventure, and most importantly, his go-to adventure snack. We recorded this episode in an art studio near the road, so apologies for the occasional car rumbling past, but I'm sure that won't distract you from Matt's enthusiasm for Scottish bog. Now, on with the show. Welcome to the Mountain Munch podcast. Today I'm talking to Matt Govan, a Kiwi living in Edinburgh who likes to spend his annual leave pushing his limits by walking really far in a short amount of time. His latest challenge has taken him from the Scottish borders up to Cape Wrath on a trail known as the Scottish National Trail and it's walking 864 kilometres. Most people complete it in 35 to 45 days but somehow Matt did it in 13 days, 19 hours and 35 minutes self-supported. He's made a fab wee film about it, his adventure, called Dawn Till Dusk, and he's also raised over £5,000 for WaterAid. So, welcome Matt. Hi Rachel, hello, nice hello. to be here. Hello, nice to meet you. So, when you're going out and doing all these crazy harebrained adventures, you're obviously going to need fuel for that. Um, so, what is your go-to adventure snack? Oh, straight into the deep questions. Yeah. <laughs> I, this might be a little left field, I'm a big fan of taking pizza on the go. You are not the first person to say this. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. come on. Yeah, you, honestly, like, tell me all about it, pizza. Yeah, so, I mean, so you get a, a simple oven pizza out of the freezer, cook it up the night before, yeah. wrap it up in cling film, and then depending on the weather and how late in the following day you want to eat it, you could put it back in the freezer so it defrosts. And it's like nice and ready to go out, out of your pockets okay. on the day. Um, I think when it comes to food and snacks, everyone's different. You have to experiment, do some long days out yeah. with different things in your pockets. And it says a lot what you end up wanting to eat or what you end up craving. And for yeah. me, it's the pizza that always gets eaten <laughs> first. So I think that says a lot. Pizza. Now, do you have a particular favorite type of pizza that you like to take? I think in, in terms of adventures, it's best to keep it fairly simple, just like a simple okay. margarita, you know, cheese okay. and tomato kind of one. Any other toppings and bits might, you know, go funny or fall off or okay. just gets a little yeah. bit complicated. Yeah. Do you have any sauces on it or anything? Because last time I heard about pizza being a favourite adventure snack, they were talking about putting sriracha and mayo in there. and. Oh, I thought I was bringing the pro tips, but it sounds like I've got a lot to learn. <laughs> no, I keep it simple, but maybe I should experiment a bit more. Yeah, you should do. Just throw some ketchup in there, some aioli. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Aioli. Yeah. 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 Well, a lot to learn. You could do that. Oh, that's really... Yeah, well, you're not the first one to talk about pizza, so um, you're, not, you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs> popular snack. Yeah, very popular. I mean, I do love pizza. Um, fab. Okay. So what actually motivates you to do these challenges? For me, it's it's all about adventure. I, you know, I, I run on the roads and stuff as well, but I don't find that nearly as inspiring as yeah. running through a, a glen or up a Munro or something. Um, yeah. Getting 
out to places where there aren't so many people and when you really like connect with nature and feel feel that inspiration coming from what's around you um as well as just just it's quite inspiring finding your own limits or constantly pushing those limits and thinking of where you traditionally might put those and then just just challenging and rethinking that pushing beyond it and being like well i can actually run you know however many kilometers in a day when i didn't think i could let's just see what the next barrier is and keep on pushing yeah i mean i mean i get that but it's it's quite a lot i mean you you struggled on on i think it was day six was it that was was a tough one you looked broken on the film yeah yeah so just getting up early and walking all day like on the national trail i was walking 14 15 hours a day walking slash running with a with a backpack um it really does take its toll and by the evenings especially the first few days my legs were just aching like some nights i could hardly sleep because they were just throbbing with that much impact loading oh my gosh and it was yeah around day six that it was kind of make or break it was like is this really a good (laughs) choice am i actually enjoying it yeah and there were low moments but i I really was enjoying two-thirds of it i'd say um but beyond that sort of sixth day where it was really tough and wet and tired and cold yeah my body started to adapt i started to sort of pick up the mindset a bit and then got into some like really amazing parts of the highlands yeah and yeah from there it just sort of fell into place a bit more i think so yeah it does take a lot of mental toughness as much as physical toughness to to keep going in those situations yeah you actually stayed uh six kilometers or so from your own house Mm -hmm. when you were going through edinburgh and uh you stayed in a campsite or a a scout hut instead of actually in your own bed because you were doing it self-supported so what what does self-supported mean yeah it's a good question so in the world of speed records and what is now becoming called fastest known times yeah. fkts uh there's kind of a, a language or a set of guidelines for the style in which you do that in terms of how much or little support you have and how much or little gear you carry yeah so that you can kind of compare apples with apples between different times okay so in the extreme ends unsupported is just you and a backpack carrying all your food and water for wh- whatever trip it is right uh, you can collect water along the way but not accepting food from people or buying food from shops or staying in accommodation yeah, that's, that's quite an extreme end yeah, that's, unsupported that's... and obviously that's only for quite short trips because there's only so much food you can carry yes yeah the other extreme supported is quite common because it's basically it can become just an arms race you can have people pacing you running along beside you carrying right. your stuff you could have someone in a camper van giving you hot food at the end of the day yeah it's like whatever you can throw at it to get the fastest time possible as long as you're still taking each step under your own steam okay yeah self-supported is the in-between which is more like a traditional through hiking kind of style okay you're just having a big adventure you're taking what comes you're, you're buying food at supermarkets on the yeah. way you might stay at a, a backpack as a hotel if you need it yeah uh, it's just anything that's only there to everybody okay not something you've pre-arranged right yeah so it's kind of a nuance that staying at your own house if that happens to be en route is would be counted Counted. as support whereas staying and booking a hotel for yourself is just just, yeah yeah because everyone else has the opportunity to book the same hotel exactly and and adding to that fact it was you know a six kilometer detour and when you're in the trail mindset (laughs) 
any wasted kilometre is an absolute waste of time and energy. So yeah. like I was actually quite happy just to camp out on route. I, I mean, yeah, I mean, I understand that though, because, you know, if you know you're just, it's going to be a bit easier if it's just a bit like, if you're going to get a good night's sleep, you're willing to go that extra bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, definitely a bit of inner conflict on that night. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, when I was actually biking to New Zealand, uh, previously I'd, I'd stopped in uh, uh, Sheffield. Oh yeah, yeah. Great, great pies in great Sheffield. Great pies. So I changed my bike route so that I would go through Sheffield oh, brilliant. so I could get pies. Um, so it was an extra maybe like 10k. I'm on like an 80k day with a fully laden bike. That's quite a lot. Yeah. But I was like, I need the pies. Yeah, I'm sure it was worth it. And it was totally worth it. <laughs> it was so great. I, I nearly, well, I did literally roll on the bike, but I almost rolled myself because I had so many pies. But um, I digress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pies are great. Great memories. I'm great sure. memories, yes. Um, so obviously these are really, really tough challenges and you put yourself through a lot. You've talked about like the mental stresses. But the, the physical stresses as well, um, just thinking a particular image that stood out to me was you about to pop that blister in the tent. <laughs> yeah. I mean, which toe was that on? Because I couldn't work it out. It was just hugging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, it's funny because that's the one scene from the film that people mention the most. Oh, really? And, and it goes two ways. Like, m- most people hate it and couldn't watch it and yeah. wish they weren't eating while they were oh, watching it or something. Yeah, yeah. But then there's a small portion of people who really want to see the rest of it (laughs) so there might be like a bonus clip at some point Uh, but yeah I think it was like from my middle or like one of the towards the outer middle toes Um, it was yeah it was basically the size of another toe on top of my existing toe but funnily that was so that was the end of the second day yeah when you spot a blister that big two days into a Mm -hmm. two-week adventure yeah starting to think things are really going downhill (laughs) and might all be over but um like funnily that one actually kind of healed up okay okay that wasn't the only blister but that was definitely the worst that That was the worst okay it was quite impressive yeah yeah um (laughs) and quite a shock i I actually hadn't felt it oh really i I mean my feet were sort of sore all over but i didn't actually suspect anything (laughs) nearly that bad until i took the shoes off my entire body was aching a blister was nothing yeah exactly it's just like just noise all over oh gosh oh gosh um well how so Obviously, your your feet have recovered. Your feet were recovered, and your legs managed to pull through and stuff. But going back to the sort of the more mental side of things, um, I think it was around day six again um, that the weather went really bad. How how does how much does the weather affect your morale when you do this sort of stuff? Weather is a pretty massive one. On, like on the whole, I did get really lucky. I, I mm-hmm. was out there for two weeks and. I probably had three or four half days of pretty bad rain. Oh, that's impressive. Which for Scotland is obviously <laughs> good on the whole, but yeah. even even like half a day of rain here and there is enough to like really yeah. uh, dampen your spirits, get your core temperature quite low. It's when you're yeah. camping out, it can be really hard to to dry out overnight or the following yeah. day and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, obviously it's just kind of half of the course in the UK mm-hmm. and and British hikers and runners and things are kind of. A different breed <laughs> compared to some <laughs> like it's just what they're used to but yeah it doesn't really yeah. make it any easier yeah there's definitely tales from a lot of my pals around here who you know if you don't go out you just won't go out you know, if you don't go out in whatever in rubbish weather you won't go out at all so when yeah. you go to places like france and italy and they go climbing or whatever in there and they just go out in 
all weathers and everyone else is like it's not bluebird why are you going out like this is amazing yeah yeah, yeah. like you've no idea how good this is um so yeah how did you um because actually i think there was a there's a bit of the, uh, the film that you were saying about um i think the quote is a uh, bloody british bog <laughs> might have came up a couple yeah. of times <laughs> yeah yeah bog's bog's great isn't it oh boy so much fun yeah uh yeah for anyone who is considering or, or has done the Cape Wrath Trail mm-hmm. that's it's quite a doozy yeah uh, there are just long expanses of of pathless area like to even call it a trail is yeah feels quite generous <laughs> it's it's really I guess a, a, the Cape Wrath route um and there are sections where yeah you're just kind of navigating through bog trying to roughly aim for the next saddle or hill or something and yeah yeah and that stuff it's really just impossible to keep your feet dry it's yeah um, it's best just to really keep moving and keep yourself warm and push on through those sorts yeah. of things. Yeah, I think the term is stoic toes. Yep. Just keep <laughs> yep. going, that keep sounds about right. Yeah. Um, so obviously you're going through, you know, you've walked um, or ran along like parts like the canal and stuff like that. So that's a fairly obvious route. Mm. But when you're up into the hills and things, what, uh, what sort of stuff are you using? Using maps, um, GPS? Yeah, it, it varied a lot. Like, for most of the trail, GPS on my phone was kind of my primary nav. Yeah. Um, m- managing battery level was the challenge there, especially in yeah. Cape Wrath, where it's like there are so few villages. Yeah. Uh, it's quite spread out, so I was sort of really having to conserve my phone battery as much as I could yeah. for sort of two or three days at a time. Um, and up, up at Cape Wrath, I did have paper maps mm-hmm. at, at, as a backup, but for the rest of the trail, I didn't. Okay. Just in terms of travelling really light and simple and, and going through so many towns, yeah. being able to keep my phone charged, yeah. I knew that nav wouldn't be so much of an issue until further north. Okay. So like the, yeah, the Scottish National Trail is really a trail of two halves. Yeah. The, the first half with the, the borders and the mm-hmm. central belt and things, you do have a lot of access to accommodation and food and yeah. that sort of thing. And then you get north of Fort Augustus. Cape Wrath, and you just fall off the edge of the yeah. map, and it's like <laughs> fend for yourself, basically. Yeah, yeah, it's a, uh, it's, it's definitely a sort of a back and beyond, and a bit wilder, I guess. Yeah, and it's incredible, but it's yeah. tough. Tough going, tough going. Yeah. Um. So thinking about it being tough, um, what you know, because obviously you're out there, you know, self-supported. What were you? What were your backup plans in terms of safety? What did? What were your precautions about safety? Mm, yeah, this is something that I thought seriously about. I, I had a GPS tracker on me the whole time, a, a spot tracker, which is oh, quite yeah, a common spot way. Devices, yeah. yeah, so um, so it did two things. It meant that people, you know, friends and family and complete strangers could be uh, checking my progress on like a, a GPS map okay. online, as long as the satellite was playing ball, which it was mostly pretty good. And it was also like an emergency beacon, so I could press a button on there if things were going really badly. Yeah. Um, and obviously I, I had thought about, you know, having emergency contacts and making yeah. sure my family had my rough schedule so they knew roughly where yeah. I'd be. I had several friends and colleagues who knew where I'd be and were able to, you know, drive and come and get me or cl- as close to me as possible yeah. if needed. Yeah. But ultimately, um, compared to, you know, going for like a day hike or a run where you've only really got a bottle of water and some food and a rain jacket yeah when you're doing a self-supported trip it's actually quite nice that you have your tent and your sleeping bag yeah. on you at all times so yeah. if stuff gets really bad 
within reason you can kind of pitch your tent anywhere or yeah. or at least have layers and warm stuff to put on so yeah. there's sort of that safety net as yeah, well yeah you're like you're, you're sort of self-sufficient yeah so you've yeah, got absolutely. everything that you need on you yeah that is that is a very cool feeling i always mm. think yeah i mean there are plenty of hills and mountain passes that you don't really want to yeah. be pitching your tent on in a yeah. blizzard but uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean that's fair that's fair um so thinking more about the planning how how do you even like well first of all how do you come up with these ideas that you go and do um and then how do you then go about then planning them mm, i think lockdown was a really good mm-hmm. bit of inspiration yes. or like i don't know you come up with this idea and you're just in your own crazy little echo chamber yeah and and it kind of grows to the point that you feel you have to try something just to satisfy your own curiosity yeah it's basically the gist of it yeah. uh i think for the national trail i first saw uh, first started reading about it at the start of last year mm-hmm. and was like oh that sounds like a really cool way to see all all or like lots of the highlights of Scotland yeah. while I'm only living here for you know maybe a few years yeah. it ties together really nice parts of like the West Highland way the Cape yeah. Wrath Trail yeah. the Rob Roy way and that sort of thing so it's like a highlights reel of the best trails yeah but I didn't think I'd be able to take you know or five or six weeks off work to do all of it yeah so this little process started happening in my mind where it was like oh but you know what about two or three weeks <laughs> i could probably make that work for annual leave could i do it that fast and then like oh how fast has it been done before yeah trying to okay. research what the record was and those things aren't always very clear you might have to like ask around and talk to people yeah. and try to figure out and that's yeah. why it's called a fastest known time it's like no one is a hundred percent sure that someone's Auntie Mary didn't run it in 10 days in 1987. <laughs> just didn't document it. Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's just what you know and you roll with that. Okay. So I th- I'm not sure I answered that question at all, but <laughs> we had fun on the way. Well, no, that's... <laughs> you definitely be like, how did you get the inspiration for it? And then now how do you go about planning that? So you've decided mm. that you're going to try and do this really long trail in about two weeks of annual leave. Now, I remember you said to your parents, you reckoned that you would only do about 50% of it. Or that I had a 50% chance oh, 50% of finishing chance. it. Yeah. 50% chance of finishing it. So, obviously, like, you know, you, you want to give it your best shot. So, what do you plan to do to try and give it your best shot before you come back down? Yeah, a lot of it's experimenting, really, and, yeah. and being fairly aware of what your limits are and then kind of connecting the dots. Like, I, you know, I had to, to make some pretty big assumptions uh, in terms of connecting the dots of what I might be capable of. Like, yeah. so before the trip, the furthest that I had hiked in a day with a backpack was about 50 kilometers. Oh, oh that's, that's, that's not a small amount of... No, but I was working on a schedule of averaging sort of 57 to 60-ish kilometers a day for, for the trail yeah. challenge. So it was like, not only am I hiking further than I have before, it's doing it for two weeks in a row yeah but you're figuring the pieces out so I had the idea and I was um you know roughly building a schedule and looking at the map and where the hardest hilliest parts were and where the easier parts were that I could do more mileage Mm -hmm. and then I you know I was going out on the weekends and I was running or walking with a weighted backpack and I took my 50 day sort of personal best up to 60 sorry 50 kilometer longest day yeah up to about 60 kilometers with a backpack and it's sort of okay it's actually manageable if I can do that within 12 or 14 hours and testing gear and asking people and reading blogs and you just kind of put the pieces together without actually committing to it at that point and it's just sort of I realized I was so far down that rabbit hole 
that I would be very disappointed in myself if I didn't just go out and try it. I was going to say that because that's a, a lot of work, you know, to to put into something that you then don't go and do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like even if it's even if it's bad, it's um, maybe better than not knowing. It, yeah. w- it was tough that most of that time was during the early part of last year, the first lockdown. Yeah. And I was actually just, I was at the point where I felt quite ready and I was waiting for restrictions to ease enough that yeah. I could just get out and try it. Yeah. And then that happened later, but probably more suddenly than I expected. And it's like, okay, I just put a, a date in my work calendar in three weeks time. I'm just going to do it and see what happens. Fair enough. <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, yeah, good on you for that because... I've never put that much planning into anything that I've done. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, other more organised people might have put a lot more planning into that, but I kind of enjoy having a little bit of, like, a known or problem-solving along yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah, I suppose, <laughs> otherwise, I guess, it wouldn't be as much of an adventure. If every if you knew absolutely everything and knew all the outcomes and what was going to happen where, I mean, mm-hmm. things could always happen, but if you planned everything, chances are it's all probably going to go wrong anyway. But also quite nice just to be like, I'm just going to see where it takes me. Yeah, and that was the thing. Like, I knew even if I didn't make my schedule or make it all the way to the lighthouse or yeah. beat the record or whatever, like, I knew I would have an awesome experience and an awesome adventure along the way. So there's yeah. nothing to lose. Yeah, that's cool. So just thinking about the whole 864 kilometres, mm-hmm. was there a bit that's like favourite bit? Oh, that is a good question so so many amazing parts I I guess once you get towards the halfway point uh, crossing from sort of Pitlockery and then Blair Athol and you go up yeah. uh, a valley called Glen Tilt yeah. comes around to Glen Feshy mm-hmm. and that's the point where you kind of yeah you go from the the central belt and the lower highlands yeah. and then suddenly you're like really in amongst it yeah like you might be walking along the glen, but you've got this towering Munros all around yeah. you and starting to really rapidly feel more remote. And I actually went for a run back in Glen Tilt last weekend in oh, the Cairndorms. Really? And, yeah, to kind of, like, retrace some of those footsteps and, and remember okay. the feelings that I was feeling at that point and just, like, how yeah. awe-inspiring the scenery was yeah. is really incredible. And, and from that point, it just... It kind of gets more and more beautiful, but that was the point at which it, yeah, just that really, like, me. got into yeah. it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think yeah, I can definitely appreciate that whole, you know, you you you. That's the tipping point bit where it just changes, and it's all kind of still beautiful, but it is fairly samey in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and to some extent, I would, I would guess that was getting actually that was almost perfectly halfway, mm-hmm. and so I'd I'd come through sort of flatter, easier terrain. I'd been making good mileage on kind of my front-loaded schedule, yeah. thinking all of this is just to put me at the halfway point on schedule, which is kind of the, the actual start so, point. Yes. Like, in terms of the challenge or the, the record, that's where the, yeah. the hard work really starts, but I've got yeah. to kind of get myself into a position to, to do have that. that opportunity. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's a really cool way of thinking about it. Mm. Yeah. Why, why did you film it? Was that, was that always the plan, or was this something that somebody suggested? And I, I did um and ah about that a lot. I have sort of been I guess a hobbyist filmmaker since okay. my teenage years right. just just mucking around with you know home videos in the early days of YouTube and yeah. things and it's so like it's something I'm very passionate about but it's a difficult one to put much time into because yeah. filmmaking projects are, are really all-consuming yeah if you want to do them well um but I think coming back to kind of 
some of the reasons why I did it self-supported and that I was out there for an adventure and like sure if I didn't carry a camera and didn't stop and collect footage and things I might have saved a few hours or half a day off my time or something but it, yeah. it wasn't about getting like the absolute best record it was about getting the absolute best experience yeah and okay. and by you know even though it might have slowed me down a bit it was actually a really nice mental distraction to have something different to think about yes and to be like you know putting sort of shots and sequences together in my head rather yeah. than just thinking like left foot right, left foot, right. Left foot. Uh, yeah i guess that would be really nice yeah like you said distraction from what would ordinarily be like mundanity i guess yeah absolutely yeah. and 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 to now you know it's probably more than eight months since the trip but to now like have a tangible memento that i can share with people that really yeah. kind of puts them in the highlands like yeah. it's quite immersive and it's yeah. it's amazing to see how people connect with that in their yeah. different ways well that's really cool um how many extra kilometers do you reckon you did walking back and forth collecting your camera because oh. you did a there is i really appreciate the shot where you go over the style and then walk back through the open gate okay <laughs> to I'm, come I'm, and get I'm, your I'm glad i'm glad you got that but yeah that's when i was just yeah properly losing the plot and <laughs> trying to entertain myself yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, I'm sure there are a few kilometres here and there from, well, yeah. a few hundred metres at least, of extra yeah. running back and forth for the camera, but um, yeah. yeah, absolutely worth it. Yeah, yeah, just, <laughs> I mean, you need to entertain yourself, you know, if you're by yourself for, what, 12, 14 hours, or like, well, all the time, aren't you, really? Yeah. Um, you do start to lose it a little bit. Um, yeah. Yeah. What, were, what camera did you use? It's called a DJI Osmo Action, so it's like okay. a, a, an alternative to a GoPro, okay. you know, little, like half the size of your fist kind of thing yeah um so i shot the entire film on this tiny little action camera yeah and a lot of people and i mean it's kind of kind of the creative output i was looking for was to like not make it obvious that it was just kind of a fisheye action camera yeah i like, was i'm impressed because it's you have so many di of, of like such a variety of shots mm. um it was i like honestly i was blown away with the uh, the quality that yeah came out of that little camera mm -hmm. uh and just the stabilization and things the the, the current generation of action cameras is yeah. incredible i'm you know might be running along at a fairly decent clip just holding this thing in my hand and it comes out pretty much dead steady yeah um creatively it was a real constraint to not have all the full controls that you want in a camera like to have a range of lenses and zooms and depth mm -hmm. of field and that sort of thing yeah but sort of what it lacked in that it made up for in you know, being waterproof, so you can just like dunk it yeah, and dunk film it. your feet walking through the river, and that bit was pretty cool. And I could stick it in my uh, the end of my hiking pole and sort of use that as like a I don't know, like a makeshift camera crane, and yeah, and yeah, sort of using what could be seen as constraints as actual like I don't know foundations to just get really creative and have fun with. So yeah. super super pleased with the result from that yeah. camera. Cool. Do you reckon you do more? filming of adventures yeah i think so i i try to be conscious of when i do or don't take photos and video because yeah. um it can distract from what you're doing and it like with video especially it takes a lot of effort to to put a project together yeah and if you're not kind of doing something and sharing the footage then what was the point in taking the camera so yeah. i kind of like I don't know, it comes and goes in waves, but I think from this film I'm definitely motivated to do more similar trips, or That's similar cool. films, occasionally. <laughs> yeah, well I can't wait to see them, because I, I really enjoy it. I've watched it about four times now, lots oh, of times. Yeah, get, get him over you, counter. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's a cracking little film, it's fab, I think it's oh, great. I'm glad you like it. Thank yeah, you. no, good. Um, now, 
lot of people have compared Scotland to New Zealand. Mm. And when I was in New Zealand, there was a couple times where I forgot I was in New Zealand because it felt like Scotland. Yeah. Did you have any moments like that, or have you not 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 just on this trip, but in Scotland? Is there? Things? Yeah, I I can definitely see the similarities. Um, yeah. Like definitely parts of the the scenery and the highlands and things. Yeah, do really make you feel like you're almost at home or make you feel homesick. Yeah. And and I can see why so many um you know Scottish and Irish settlers ended up in yeah uh, particularly the south of New Zealand and yes. like. You walk around some of the, the towns and streets and every second thing is named after like a, oh, a British so, or Scottish. I mean, um, Dunedin is, is Gaelic for Edinburgh, so Exactly. So it's like not only the scenery but the names and everything yeah. are very, very similar. Yeah. Um yeah, so yeah, absolutely like it's I love living here that there's a lot of new stuff to explore, but it's yeah. like similar enough to feel really homely but different yeah. enough to be really inspiring at the same time yeah have you got anywhere on your list of places you'd like to go or go and see in scotland that you haven't yet been to or oh good question probably as many of the islands as i can see yeah. i've spent a little bit of time in orkney sky and mull um but yeah. love to get out into the outer hebrides and perhaps do some cycle touring and that sort of thing yeah some highlands are phenomenal yeah Paris <laughs> is like if you like beaches i love a beach yeah um paris is the cracking beaches just the headwind if you bike touring just uh watch the headwind yeah <laughs> so i've been told but yeah i'll definitely put it high on the list yeah it's uh, they're amazing places to be okay so i think that's almost everything just need some top tips from you now mm-hmm. um when it comes to planning such an epic adventure or if anybody wanted to get out and really push themselves what would be your top tips for people to go and do that I think number one would be talk to people like whether you have a particular trail or challenge in mind find someone who's done it before or done something similar yeah. um, even if even if it's something you're sort of made up on your own and it's something quite unique like I'm sure someone's done something similar yeah. or, or you might have some running or hiking buddies who'll just have some some general good advice mm-hmm. and I think you'll find that generally the outdoors community is so down to earth and yeah you know you might follow an adventurer on Instagram or something and think that like oh there's no way I could send them a message and ask some questions yeah but nine times out of ten they'll be like super willing to help out yeah. and get back to you and what what are you losing if, yeah. if they don't yeah um so I well I'm saying this because I didn't do this well at the start of planning for my Scottish National Trail because yeah. I was aware that it was such a wild, woolly idea that probably wouldn't work. I kind of did keep it to myself, yeah. and I was almost like sheepish to talk about it because yeah. it sounded so crazy. Yeah. But once I did talk to more people, ask more questions, nobody ever like questioned it or doubted me or anything. I was the only one who really had doubts. Yeah, okay. It was um, people are generally so positive and helpful. Yeah. So yeah, number one I'd say would be like, yeah, talk to people who who know about the trail or the the type of travel or challenge that you want to do, and, yeah. and get some tips from them, and then I guess put that into action and experiment with those things. So yeah. you know, with physically training leading up to it, um, testing all of your gear so that you know everything inside out yeah. before the trip. Yeah. You know, like you know, which pocket you've got your gloves in when it starts pouring with rain yes. out of nowhere. Yeah. Um, that you can trust your tent, that you can trust your shoes, and again, these these are like lessons from experience because I didn't yes. have the best choice of shoes on my trip. Yeah. Um, and then 
yeah I guess just like plan and experiment as much as you can but yeah. there will eventually just be a tipping point where you kind of have to commit just go for it you have like you have to know the line and this comes with experience but there's a line between cutting out luxury and cutting out safety right. so obviously you should never compromise on safety mm -hmm. if you need you know you need emergency plans you might need a locator beacon you need like sufficient warm and dry clothes but you know, do you really need that pair, extra pair of shoes, or like, you know, that change of t-shirt? And you yeah. know, some of those comfort items can drop out. Yeah. So yeah, don't compromise on your safety. But once you feel that you're almost ready to go, just just commit, just give it a go. Just give it and a go. As long as you've got the the, the safety net there. Yeah. Um. You know what else could go wrong? Yeah. Now, do you? How many pairs of socks did you take on your trip? Because you got had some very holy socks. I took two pairs and I bought an extra pair on the way and all three of them were rubbish oh, no. um, so this comes back to the like testing your gear I mean I, I had I had tested those socks probably to the point that they were maybe starting to fail when I started the trip uh, so I won't be buying those particular ones again and I guess this is a good point is like expect you know demand a lot from your gear and your manufacturers and things and, and okay. write reviews and give them feedback yeah. I actually took those socks back to the shop and got my money back because they were rubbish. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I think as a community, it's, it's important that we are all like yeah. contributing to that technological development and, and, yeah. and sort of yeah, making sure that we can uh, develop and use the best gear that we, yeah. we can. Because if we don't give them feedback, how are they, they going to improve? Yeah. yeah, yeah, 100%. Good, good tip. Um, now, I mentioned at the start that you had raised over £5,000 from WaterAid. Um, which is a phenomenal amount, so very well done on doing that. Um, why did you pick WaterAid as your charity? Was it always going to be a charity thing, or was it...? No, that, that element of it did come later in the piece, actually probably only two or three weeks out from starting. Okay. Um, so I, I work at Scottish Water, and they partner very closely with WaterAid. They're an international charity who, yeah. who bring drinking water and toilets and sanitation to, mm -hmm. to people all around the world who need it most. Um, so ended up, you know, Scottish Water's contribution goes to projects in Malawi and Rwanda okay. in particular, and they do some amazing work, like really partnering with the locals, not just giving them, you know, taps or toilets yes. and leaving. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that element of it did come later in the piece, but it was sort of at the point where I thought, here's me just going to sneak out the door and do like an entirely selfish adventure in a time that there's all this crazy stuff going on in the world. Yeah. But there's kind of a bit of a story here, like maybe I can make it a little bit less selfish by, you know, trying to do some good through it. Yeah. So I thought I would put out a bit of a, a, a call for a fundraiser at, yeah. at work and with friends and family. And initially the target was to raise £864, so £1 per kilometre of the trail. Yeah. And and I thought that was a pretty, a pretty lofty goal and would be a great contribution to the charity. Yeah. And I think we got there within a day or two. Oh my gosh, And wow. it just skyrocketed and kept on going. And there were people, yeah, from work and friends and family back home, but, you know, complete strangers all around the world donating wow. very generous sums of money. Yeah. Uh, and then and then watching throughout my trip and tracking my progress and sending messages along the way. Yeah. And now that I've had that experience, it wouldn't have been nearly as amazing a trip if I, if I hadn't sort of brought that fundraiser on board and brought people Together. on board through that. Yeah. Um, so even though I was out there alone, it was amazing to kind of have this like army of supporters Support all around the world oh, back fantastic. home. So yeah, like WaterAid has been absolutely blown away by that contribution yeah. and 
Well, yeah. it's a really excellent, like, it's just not a small amount, £5,000. No, like, absolutely exceeded all of my expectations. Yeah. It's, it's, that, that means more to me than the record. It's, you know, yeah. you know, being able to, to contribute yeah. to people's well-being through that is, yeah, pretty awesome. And is there, um, is there a donation link that we can share for that? Yeah, that, that's still live, so I'll, I'll get you to post that in the, the show notes or yeah, something if fine. you can, but if people go to uh, justgiving.com and then, and then search for Matt Walks, uh, I'm yeah. sure you'll be able to track that down fairly easily. Fab, well, I'll certainly pop that in the show notes for you. And that's everything, so thank you very much, Matt, for such a wonderful chat. I can't wait to see your next little film. Oh, amazing, yeah, thanks so much for the chat, it's been fun, and yeah, it's great to be in Fort William. Just a reminder, if you'd like to donate to Matt's fundraiser for WaterAid, there is a link in the show notes, and I would implore you all to watch Matt's cracking wee film. Uh, you can find it on YouTube, and I'll pop a link in the notes for you there as well. Thank you for listening to the Mountain Munch podcast. A new episode will be released each month and you can find them on our website at mountainfestival.co.uk and you can also find us on Spotify. Just search for Mountain Munch and you'll spot our fantastic logo by Sparrowhawk Design. And finally, if you can rate and review this episode, that will really help us reach a wider audience. So until next time, happy adventuring and don't forget the snacks. Snacks.